This ad-free podcast is part of your Slate Plus membership. Lucky you. Hello and welcome to this mini episode of Big Mood, Little Mood. I'm your host, Daniel M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Our guest this week is John Danielle, a songwriter, novelist, and leader of the American band The Mountain Goats. Dark in Here is the group's just-released latest collection of songs. And now here we are reading a letter from a listener. This feels like a good foundation, actually, for our first letter. I feel like uh, different relations to skepticism and authority. So I'm going to go ahead and and read it, and hopefully this will uh, help us ground our advice in something just the right amount of skeptical. The subject is fish hook offer. I'm in my early 20s and slowly rebuilding a relationship with my parents after a couple of years of infrequent contact. My issues are primarily with my mother. After a lot of difficulty and a few breaks, I'm now in my final year of college. My father has offered to help me support myself and the family dog who lives with me so that I don't have to keep balancing my part-time job with my last year of study. This is generous, I know, and he supported my brother throughout his degree, so I know that my father's money doesn't come with strings attached, or at least not ones I couldn't accept. But the idea of taking his money makes me physically anxious. Should I take it anyways? It would not be a strain for him, and I wouldn't mind having the time to focus. But the idea of not being financially independent is making my skin crawl. How old is this person? Um, I think, you know, early 20s feels like my guess would be anywhere between 21 to 25. I mean... (laughs) It's uh, in the in the, in the present economy. It's very hard to establish anything like uh, uh, economic financial independence by the time you're 21, 22, 23. So I got to lean on people and be comfortable with that. Um, that's my view. Um, I, I don't like to minimize people's anxiety, but at the same time, it's like if it's anxiety over taking what's being offered as a free gift. I mean, in all circumstances, I would say, "Cool. Well, figure out a way to navigate your anxiety." But meet your needs, you know, it's like uh, if something makes you anxious but meets needs that are genuine, then the anxiety is is uh, <laughs> it's a bonus. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it's something extra. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's like uh, that's my feeling is like I also think um, I mean, money makes us anxious, generally speaking, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and learning to navigate the world of, of money is not something you already have by the time you're in your early 20s. It takes ages and ages to to really, you know, I mean, it's such a bizarre, I'm sound like a hippie here, but like, you know, money is weird. It's very weird, right? Um, I think the fact that so much economic and pol- political theory revolves around it is partly because it's weird, you know? We're right. the only creatures that have economies like these, right? Other creatures do just fine. You know, they really do fine. Um, they don't need it. <laughs> they don't need these sorts of barter economies or any, uh, or whatever you call other economies. And this whole symbolic, I mean, money causes you anxiety because it forces you to be engaging symbolism at every moment of the day. <laughs> it's like you don't get to actually have an honest relationship with exchange, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Marx talks a lot about this too, is like how when you have to convert your labor into, 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 uh, into work value, into labor value, it's very, you know, that it dehumanizes you, it separates you from the actual work. And uh, and all that is necessary, I think, because of the fundamental flaw of money, right? But then again, we wind up being able to use it for some goods that we wouldn't otherwise be able to do. I think, you know, the fact that we have a vaccine right now is because 
you know, it's, it's down to being able to put big things in motion where somebody at the top says, I get to make a lot of money if this happens. That's unfortunate, but it's also, you know, I don't think we had, I mean, you know, I think most vaccines get eventually go through that sort of channel and vaccines are one of the great success stories of the 20th century, right? So um, there's a lot to say about that, but I think that's why anytime money enters any conversation, there's a little bit of anxiety. I mean, the most sociopathic among us don't feel that anxiety, just go cool money. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, but, in, but that's why you want to be rational. You want to, that's it, why, and, and it's also why a lot of us have to learn to take our own feelings seriously and, and it's good to do so, but it's also good. And I, I don't think this is a popular position, but it's also good to learn when your feelings are not actually that valuable part of the question. You know, that's often the case. Your feelings are real. They're valid. No one can tell you not to have them, you know, uh, and no one can tell you to share them. But if I'm anxious about something that I can objectively see on paper, this is good for me, you know, then that anxiety is what's not good for me. That's what I should be refusing is the offer of the anxiety. <laughs> and so, uh, and, and accept, accept the offer. I don't know anything else about this person's family dynamics and so forth. I don't know if, if, if dad is going to later go, look, I gave you this money. Now, 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 now you have to start on my summer stock production up in, up in Ithaca that I've been pl- planning on doing for years. I've been bugging you about it. Now you have to do it. Right. And you have a to classic problem. The uncle Sam had, <laughs> if that's going to happen, then it's a different sort of exchange. But is that uh, a Yankee doodle dandy reference. Are we talking about James Cagney now. I mean, are we just kind of running with something, but that's probably where it comes from. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think all that's amazing. And actually, you could you could do worse than than looking to James Cagney if you're looking for complicated maternal relationships, um, especially for this letter writer. Yeah, I, I think the way that I've heard that described often has has had to do with like the idea of the difference between uh, you know if you're on a car ride and your feelings are coming along with you, you might give them a nice seat uh, in the back, but you're not going to let them drive the car. And and yeah, to to that end, I think. It, it does feel useful that the letter writer says, I've seen him give this kind of money to my brother. It did not seem to end in some sort of like horrible, uh, you know, trip to court or, you know, uh, outrageous demands for future like reciprocity. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is like, so this is the most popular answer for everything now, but it's true. It's like your anxiety is actually anxiety over the state of late capitalism. That's not going to go away if you refuse your dad's money. So uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little less optimistic about the late in the term late captain capitalism than the, than the hope implied by that late. But, uh, yeah. but I think that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's anxiety over money and about how, as you journey into adulthood, you become aware how much you're going to have to be thinking about money, you know, and then you start yearning for the garden, right? There was a time in your life when you didn't have to think about that at all. And that wasn't one of your, and if you're five, you have plenty of concerns, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't, there is not an absence of things to stress out about in this world. And then money is added to these stressors and it's a big one. Right. Yeah. Um, and depending on your status in this world and this country, especially, you know, depending on, you know, whether you're able bodied, who you are, what color your skin is, like, then money becomes a source of anxiety for many other reasons. Also, you know, we don't have all that data here. Um, but I mean, every little extra bit uh, adds to money. anxiety. Money anxiety is very real. And, and it's, uh, you know, I mean, I come from the generation of indie rock people who would just go, yeah, well, I don't care about money, you know, and I'd say, well, then eventually there's five of you and the only offer to stay at a house is a house where you're pretty sure you're going to get killed. Well, then you should have gotten $30 amongst yourselves to sleep on a hotel room floor together. <laughs> so it's like, uh, there's a, there's a, um, great Robert Frost poem 
that I uh, that I like to quote, uh, whose sentiment towards money is mine. Um, Better to go down dignified with boughten friendship at your side than none at all. Provide, provide, right? <laughs> Such a Yankee sentiment. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> where are you from? Yeah. A, a, a little bit Southern California and a little bit the Midwest. Uh, yeah. So two very particular worlds. But yeah, I, I also share with this letter writer a real sense of, you know, take care of yourself first and foremost. Like be ready, have your, have your, you know, I can tell my family to fuck off money at hand. Um, and I would say to that, yeah, this doesn't seem like the final question of whether or not you will become a financially independent person. So I would say consider taking that money so that you do have that time to focus um, because I think it will serve the letter writer's long-term interest of becoming financially independent. If that means graduating without or with fewer student loans, that would be a really good thing. Um, and that will make you know more of your income your own, hopefully when you find work after college. Um, so I, I would be inclined to at least seriously consider this one. You know, many, many parents pay for their kids' college or at least part of it. That's often like a pretty um, matter of fact, uh, uh, everyday sort of expense. Um, you know, speaking from the perspective of the father of a six-year-old, uh, when my six-year-old, if he chooses to go to college, wants to do so, I look forward to being able to express my love as a parent in that way, because there's so many ways to express love besides just saying that you love somebody, you can help them out, right? You can, and that's one thing you want to do for your children. It really, it's when you become a parent, one of the things you, you know, you have a profound desire to help them out in this world, for them not to struggle as much as they might otherwise have to. And especially as the world gets colder, when I, you know, I think my, my son's six, well, when he enters the job market, it's not going to be, I mean, it wasn't rosy when I was 16, but it's really terrible now. It's really very hard to find, uh, a, you know, a, a decent, job they won't raise the minimum wage all this stuff you know and uh and even if they do raise minimum wage rents are out of control mm -hmm. and so on and so forth um you know so i look forward to if i work real hard between now and when he turns 18 or 22 or whatever to being able to say hey i put aside some stuff and i can cushion the blow right and if that causes them please don't be nervous about it i don't need it i set it aside for you it's you know and this thing is like you probably don't know what your parents' situation is. Like, where's that money coming from? They're just hitting their own savings. Probably not. Probably this is something they planned on. Wild, you know. Um, unless you have a weird relationship with like always asking, like, so what's your what's your whole savings picture, Dad? <laughs> what's amazing is cushion the blow sounds so much like a, a slightly lesser known Steinbeck like short story that's just about a father trying to build up a nest egg that I would have just devoured at 15. And now I kind of wish it existed. I'm a little sad that <laughs> I it didn't. You, I thought you were saying, I was like, yeah, no, that's right. But I mean, it is, but it's really, it's a thing you think of on the day your child is born, you, you, you will, the prospect of them sometime facing hardship will crest your consciousness and you go, oh, my whole job henceforth is to, you know, and if you're a bad parent, then you want to stop all hardship from coming when in fact we believe that struggle is good for people right it's like some mm -hmm. having stuff to overcome really does build some character you know in, in some ways i'm glad that i've had to work for I, I, there's nothing wrong with work is the thing but in the case of like having to pay for higher education there's no benefit to having to pay big money to these schools there's no benefit to that it's like whereas if it was like it was dad stepping in you know to help you do work that that you could benefit from actually and, learning the labor, then that's not good, you know, or, or greasing the wheels to get you a better job. That's the sort of thing that caused me real anxiety. It's like, I don't want the job unless I deserve the job. I don't want the job because dad got me the job. But dad gave me some money because they're charging me too much for college. Bring it on, dad. I will take that money. 
Yeah. And, you know, if anything, I guess my last thought there would be, you know, if you're really just like looking for a head start, take the money and keep the part-time job, um, you know, and just set that money aside for yourself so you can put down a security deposit for an apartment of your own so you don't have to move back in with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a number, there's a number of possibilities like that. You know, take, take the whole amount and put aside half of it. And then, uh, and if they don't want to be paid back that half later, you can give them some spectacular, you know, Christmas present or whatever, you know, it's like, there's a, there's a number of ways to do it. Uh, but, but yeah, but I, I get, I think I get the anxiety. I myself have not been in that position. So I don't really know what it's like. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, I mean, I, I say I want to, I want to keep that in mind. It's like, I don't, you know, if, if that had happened to me at that age, I would have said, you know, you guys know what I'm going to do with this money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I luckily, you know, by the time I, I ended my own relationship with my family of origin, there was no question of anybody offering me money. So I never had to deal with that. It was very much like, well, we all hate each other now. Uh, goodbye forever. I did. The thing is, I actually did. My father, the whole reason of my the year I spent in Portland was I was on so many drugs in Southern California that my father took out a loan and said he would pay me to go to a community college for a year in any town in the U.S., I was too depressed to say anything. So sure, I'm in Portland. We're making this offer. Why not Portland? Not a great place for a junkie to go in 1985, really. And uh, uh, I mean, yes, a great place from a different perspective. <laughs> so, but uh, so that's what I did. And I got, he sent me a check every month and a third of it went to rent. And uh, and the rest of it went where it went, you know. Um, uh, that didn't cause me any anxiety then, but I was also kind of not, you know, I mean. You had a lot was, going on. I I was a thief at the time. It's like, I, I, I would steal your stuff. So I didn't have economic anxiety about taking people's stuff. You know? and yeah. so, uh, I, I think one of the things that I always appreciated, I got, I got sober myself back in 2013. And one of the things that I really appreciated about addiction was it always gave you a manageable crisis for the day. Like it would just <laughs> really simplify your problems. Like my problem today is to fix whatever I did yesterday to streamline my getting whatever I need tonight. Um, that's it. Whether that means finding out where my car is or trying to lie to someone until they lend me some money or apologizing for something that I don't think, you know, I should feel sorry for, but I, I just don't care about lying in any direction. You know, you've, yeah, you've got your you a roadmap. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for joining us on Big Mood, Little Mood with me, Danny Lavery. Our producer is Phil Circus, who also composed our theme music. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to slate.com slash mood to sign up, to subscribe, or hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using right now. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you get a minute. We'd love to know what you think. If you want more Big Mood, Little Mood, you should join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. Members get an extra episode of Big Mood, Little Mood every Friday, and you'll get to hear more advice and conversations and interview questions with our guests. And as a Slate Plus member, you'll also be supporting the show. Go to slate.com forward slash mood plus to sign up. It's just $1 for your first month. If you need some little advice or big advice and you'd like me to read your letter on the show, head to slate.com slash mood to find our big mood, little mood listener question form or find a link in the description of the platform you're using right now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>